Bay, <coughs> Miss Robin, Caden, and Brother Eric on the trombone there. Last week we looked at Psalm 145, and we looked at our title of our message was, Thank You, Lord. Thank You. Obviously this is a good time of year to <coughs> thank God, but you don't have to wait till November to thank God. Christian, each day, you can thank God for some of the things we looked at last week. We looked at His greatness, and His goodness, and His righteousness, and His graciousness, and His compassion, His serenity, the fact that He's slow to anger, His mercy, His power, His eternal kingdom and rule, His help. His exaltation, His rewarding, His provision, His holiness, His closeness. The Lord is nigh unto them that fear Him. His answers to prayer, His listening ear, His deliverances, His preservation, and of course His justice. As we come to the end of Psalms, it is nearly impossible to miss a reoccurring theme in these poems that were sung by the Israelites. And it is this subject, and it is particularly the subject we'll close with, Lord willing, on the 10th when we preach our last message on Psalms, Lord willing. But it is the subject of praise. Praise. However, here in Psalm 147, which is bookended, by the way, if you look at Psalm 147.1, what does it say? Praise ye the Lord. And what does it say at the end of verse number 20 of Psalm 147? Praise ye the Lord. This psalm that is bookended with praise, we are given wonderful reasons to do so. In verses 4 and 5, if you look at them with me, it says, He telleth the number of the stars, he calleth them all by names. Great is the Lord, and of great power his understanding is infinite. So what is a reason to praise ye the Lord that is given here? He is the maker of the heavens, ruling his creation incredibly. Amen? Certainly worthy of our praise. I'm glad God is ruling and reigning. God is taking care of things. I'm glad that He doesn't take a day off. I'm glad that by Him all things consist. That His faithfulness is seen in His creation, in the laws that He has given to us. But also... And I love this. He's not only the maker of the heavens. If you look at verse number 3, look at it there with me. It says this, He healeth the broken in heart. He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. So, we should praise Him certainly because He's the maker of the heavens, ruling His creation incredibly. But how about this? He is also the mender of the hearts 
restoring his creatures individually. Let me say that again. If you notice the contrast between verses 3 and 4, look at them. He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. He telleth the number of the stars. Think about the first part of that is so individual, and the second part of that is so infinite. That's our God. That's our God. Yes, He is infinite, but oh, how He cares about you as an individual. He cares about your hurts and your heartaches and your brokenness. Look with me, first of all, in verse number 3. And notice with me, number 1, the sadness. The sadness. Where do you see the sadness in verse 3? Well, it's actually pretty easy. It says, He healeth who? The broken in heart. You know, I've been pastoring now here 14 years, but I've been in ministry 25 years, and I have seen all kinds of God's people with all kinds of broken hearts. I've known some of God's people to do the unthinkable, and that is have to bury a child. Terrible thing, Miss Merrill, to have to bury a child. Terrible thing, you know. Others in our congregation know. You know what it is. To hold a child, maybe to raise them for a little while, and then to have to visit a cold piece of resurrection ground. I've known others to have children, love them, raise them right, then to just have those children break their hearts with the direction that they live their lives. Terrible. By the way, that heartbreak goes on and on and on. That's the heartbreak of Luke chapter 15 when the prodigal took off to the far country. And the father waited for him with a broken heart, didn't he? I've seen others go through just terrible heartbreak. I've watched countless believers bury their spouse after 40, 50 60, 70 years of marriage. Think about the Howlands this year. We lost both of the Howlands this, this past year. Some of you didn't get to know them that well. They hadn't been members here for a little while. They were precious people. They were married 73 years when Brother Hugh passed away. That's heartbreaking to lose a person after that long. A person you've spent 80% of your life with sadness. Long ago, my, my pastor, Pastor Eric Tharp, counseled me as a pastor. And he said, be careful how you treat people, because behind every set of eyes may lie a broken heart. There are just so many broken-hearted people out there in the world, yes, but also right here inside the church house. We see broken-hearted people, first of all, in the pages of the scriptures. You know the first broken-hearted people? You know the first funeral in the Bible was the death of a child? It was when Cain killed Abel. And 
we find in Genesis 4.25 a broken-hearted Adam and Eve as they buried their boy, ashes to ashes and dust to dust. I think about that widow at Zarephath, remember the one that had helped Elijah? The one whom the barrel of the meal and the cruise of oil failed not? Remember what happened to her boy when he said, ooh, my head? And he died. He broke her heart. She was already a widow. Now she lost her boy. I think the same about the widow of Nain in Luke chapter 7. Remember her? They were carrying out her only child. Her only boy. There she was, broken heart. Can't help but think of Mary and Martha. Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. And every time I think of a broken-hearted person in the Bible, I always think of Mark chapter 9. That father who brought his son who was possessed of the devil to the disciples who had power to heal. And they couldn't do it. And you remember he came to Jesus and said, If thou canst do anything, please help us. For if we, if we pass by a body of water, that devil throws him into the water and tries to drown him. We pass by a fire, he throws him in the fire and he gets all burned. Please help us. Broken-hearted people in the scriptures. You know, there are broken-hearted people not only in the pages of the scriptures, but there are broken-hearted people in the past, aren't there? You know, Kadi and I will take walks in the summertime. She says, Dad, can we take a walk? And I say, yes. Most times, amen. <laughs> and we'll walk up and we have a small cemetery on Eastern Road. Just a little cemetery. And we'll look at the stones, Mr. Boss, and we'll look at the dates on the stones. And sometimes we see... 1894 to 1895. And that's just a little one-year-old baby. And Miss Merklinger, you know, somebody had a broken heart. Somebody's heart was broken when they had to take out that shovel and dig that little grave. I think the, the saddest funeral I've ever participated in was I had a dear friend. Dear, he's still a dear friend of mine. He's been here a couple times as he visits family. His name's Mike Sullivan, him and his wife Jocelyn. They were pastoring up in Onaway, Akiak Baptist Church, and they had had a little boy, Grant, fiery red-headed boy. You hear that, brother Tom? Fiery red-headed kids, amen? <laughs> and uh, had a beautiful, beautiful little boy. And a year later, his wife Jocelyn was expecting And he called me about three months in and said, we just came from the, the doctor and they told us that our little boy has anencephaly. If you don't know what anencephaly is, it's a disease where there's no development above the eyes. The brain does not develop. And so what happens is, those of you that don't know, the process is when the baby's born and that little jolt of electricity going up the brain stem, and that's why the doctor gives him a little pat on the back, it's almost the jump for your brain. 
like putting jumper cables on. That little piece of electricity starts you, you up, and but when you're an anencephalic, it's just electricity, and it doesn't have anywhere to go. And he said, I remember he said, they, they've advised us to get an abortion. And I remember my friend and his wife in, in such spiritual defiance said, we're not going to do that. We're going to have them as long as we have. One of the most beautiful pictures I have, I have it somewhere amongst my, my things, is a picture of Jocelyn's pinky in that little boy's hand around that pinky. And he lived for five hours. Five hours. And whenever I'm up that way, I go and put flowers on that grave. Because there's a broken-hearted, there's a broken-hearted couple that lives out of state that can't go there. Now I can't help but think, Mr. Boston, of your sister, my pastor, this time of year, lost their boy 20 years ago. There's, listen, folks, there's a lot of sadness in the past. And you know why? There's one reason for sadness. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. The reason for every bit of sadness in this world is sin. It's not personal sin, though personal sin can cause sadness. It's corporate sin that has been passed down and down and down and down and down. Let, never forget, ladies and gentlemen, the wages of sin is death. And wherever you find death, you find sadness. So there's the sadness in the pages of the scripture. There's the sadness in the present or the past. And there's the sadness in the present. Very often at a funeral, I will quote the poem, He maketh no mistake. My father's way may twist and turn, my heart may throb and ache, but in my soul I'm glad I know he maketh no mistake. This present holds much sadness. Some of you are carrying sadness. By the way, it's normal and natural. We'll talk about that in the end. I think of uh, families that are separated and sometimes just sad because you don't get to see. I, I think I've told this before, but I remember the first time I ever went Christmas caroling. And, and I would encourage you, it doesn't matter if you could sing well. You ought to come out for Christmas caroling. Because there are precious people. I remember the first time we ever went Christmas caroling out at Mountain View Baptist Church, Miss Kim, and we went to a little little care home in Westfield, Massachusetts. I could take you right to it, know right where it is. And uh, we went, and oh, by the way, one of the greatest blessings of, of caroling, especially you young families, is bring those little ones. Bring those little ones. I know it's a chore and you need help moving them around and all that, but I want to tell you, you want to light up a senior citizen who doesn't get to see people, let them see little ones. And we had all these little ones at the time at our church. It seemed like every family except for Carrie and I had about five little ones and we just had a bus full and we came in and we sung and, and of course the kids sung and we were getting ready to leave and I'll never forget this little little old lady just sitting there. She was just weeping, just weeping. And I went up to her and I said, what's the singing that bad? <laughs> and she said, no. She said, but my family, now this is Westfield, Massachusetts. This is East Coast. 
90 miles west of Boston. She said, my family lives in Iowa. They're not coming to see me. Christmas is over. This is Christmas. And I thought to myself, there's a lot of broken-hearted people. Yeah. But I remember that church family. They're broken-hearted people right here in our midst. They don't say, they don't walk around saying, look at my broken heart. But you get to know them and you get to bear some of their burdens with them and you find out the sadness. But then, I like this. Not only is there the sadness, but there's the sunshine, and that's S-O-N, sunshine. What does it say there in verse 3? Look at it. Uh, it says about that yeah, they're all broken in heart, but what does it say about the broken in heart? He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth their wounds. How does he do that? Well, first of all, he does that through his life. You know, we're getting ready to celebrate. I love that song that Brother Sam has just sung. Oh, glorious mystery, sacrifice of Calvary. You know, we're getting to celebrate, and, and I love the, the, the setup this year. It's just, just beautiful. Think about the nativity outside. and We're getting to celebrate that little baby who was born. To live and give his life for you and me so we can be healed. Huh? We're healed by his life. Of course we're healed by his death. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace is upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Hey, you're going to go to heaven one day. Why? Because Jesus bore your sin. Bore your stripes. He gave you peace and took your punishment. He healeth. He bindeth by his life, by his death. You know, something we don't preach much about or even talk much about is you'll be healed because of his high priestly ministry. Say, what's that? Hebrews 7.25 says this, He ever liveth to make intercession for us. You know, he knows when you're broken and hard. And he goes to his father and says, Father, help them. Help them. Help them, please. He's always going on your behalf and my behalf, making intercession for us. When the devil comes and says, Ah, oh, they're a guilty sinner. He intercedes and said, But I shed my blood, and they, they trusted in that, and so they're, they're mine, Father. Whoever liveth to make intercession for us. He, the sunshine through his life, through his death, through his high priestly ministry, through his advocacy. He is our advocate, it says in 1 John 2, 1. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. He pleads our case, doesn't he? He pleads our case. Hey, you know what? One day, but it's, boy, I tell you, we're going to be healed because of his resurrection. I love that verse. So if you read 1 Corinthians 15, it's all about the resurrection. I love verse 26. It says this, And the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Boy, that's healing right there. When, forgive me, ladies and gentlemen, when those bodies start popping up out of the ground, that's complete healing right there. And it's all because of the sunshine. He healeth and bindeth. And you know what, ladies and gentlemen? 
It reminds me when I think about his resurrection and his advocacy and his high priestly ministry and his death and his life. Hey, you know what? His return. We're going to be healed. When he returns, there's not going to be anything else wrong with us. Our hearts are not going to be broken anymore. When he returns. You know what? That's why it's called the blessed hope. And I'm not mad at my brothers and sisters that don't believe in the pre-tribulation rapture, but it's not the blessed hang in there. It's the blessed hope. And the blessed hope is, I'm not looking for signs, I'm looking for the Savior. I don't need signs to come to pass, I need Christ to sign his treaty and all that. I'm looking for the Savior at any moment. Now I think all that's getting ready to happen. But before it does, Jesus is coming. His return, part of the sunshine, the sadness, the broken heart, the sunshine, he healeth and bindeth. How about this? The steps. Tommy's saying amen back there. Don't hush him, Brother Tim. Don't hush him. Let him say, that's right, Tommy. Amen. Brother Tim's always hushing him back there. Not only the sadness and the sunshine, but what are the steps? What does he use in this life to help us heal of a broken heart? Well, let's, let's look at a few steps if we could. Go with me to Romans chapter 15. We'll bounce around the Bible here for a little bit. and Points number three and four are really application for us. And so, Romans chapter 15. Say amen. 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 Verse number four. The first thing he uses is his word. The scriptures. Look what it says here. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have what? Hope. Hope. God will one day heal my broken heart. Hope comes from the scriptures. Why? Because it says in our text, He healeth the broken in heart. See, it's the scriptures that show me others that He healed their broken hearts. If He can heal their broken hearts, he can heal my broken hearts. By the way, that prodigal that you have that has broken your heart, that's away from God, the story's not over yet. The prodigal came home. You say, but what if they don't? But what if they do? You can spend your life saying, what if they don't? Or you can say, God, I'm going to trust you that they'll come home, that I've trained them right, I've done, done the right thing. Say, man, I'm going to trust you in that. I, listen, I've seen that happen after people go home to be with the Lord. I've watched people come back. We have people in our church right here that have come back to the Lord after long seasons in the far country. The scripture, His Word. How about John chapter 14? John chapter 14. Not only His scriptures...
John chapter 14. Verse 16, please. It says, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comfort. By the way, you see the Trinity in this verse, don't you? This is Jesus speaking. He said, I'm going to pray, I'm going to pray to the Father, and he's going to give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. And who is it? Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither know him, knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. What's the steps in healing? He uses the scriptures, but he also uses the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God, which maketh intercession with groanings which cannot be uttered, Romans 8.26 tells us. When we can't pray, the Holy Spirit works on our behalf and works a healing work in our lives. So his scriptures, his spirit. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. And then we'll go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians 7, 1 Thessalonians 5. says here in verse number 6. What a great verse. It's almost kind of like a little hidden gem. Don't you love that when you read your Bible and you find those little hidden gems? Say, how, can I, how have I read my Bible all this time and not seen that? Because it's a living book, ladies and gentlemen. Amen. Verse 6 of 2 Corinthians 7 says, Nevertheless, God that what? Comforteth those that are cast down. Comforted us by the coming of who? Titus, this young preacher. Go over with me to uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 11. What a great verse. For all those people who think church is unimportant. I can just have church at home. It's hard to obey this verse when you're all by yourself at home. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Wherefore, comfort yourselves how? Together. Together. And edify who? Yourself? Is that what it says? No! It says edify one another. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together. So he uses his scriptures. He uses his spirit. He uses his saints. To help you heal your broken heart. Sometimes we feel like no one cares. Can I tell you this? Quote Martin Luther, feelings come and feelings go and feelings are deceiving. My warrant is the word of God, not else is worth believing. If nobody else cares, I know this. Oh yes, he cares. I know he cares. But I know this, there's a whole bunch of people around you that care if they knew that you had a broken heart, they would certainly care. Listen, I've said this before, I'll say it again. There are some people 
and I know this is a weather night, it's a, it's a sickness night, I, I get that. But there are some people that have missed part of God's healing for them because they weren't amongst the saints of God. God wanted to use somebody to encourage them, be a blessing to them, help heal their broken heart, but they weren't. They, they disobeyed the command to gather together. I tell you what, it's so important, church fan. I know I'm talking to the Sunday night crowd on a snow night. You're the, you're the, the core. Boy, he uses his saints to heal our broken hearts. See, there are other people that have gone through what you're going through. And God allowed them to go through it so they could help you. If you read 2 Corinthians chapter 1, it, t it says that. God comforts us that we may comfort others by the comfort wherewith we are comforted. So, he uses his scriptures, he uses his spirit, he uses his saints. And I, I love this. Go to Genesis chapter 33. This is one of my favorite parts of the Bible. Literally, the whole Bible this is one of my favorite chapters, one of my favorite incidents. Genesis 33. We have the sadness in the pages of Scripture in the past and the present. We have the sunshine. He heals and binds through his life, through his death, through his high priestly ministry, through his advocacy, through his resurrection, through his return. Then we have the steps. He heals. How does he do it? He uses his scriptures. He uses his spirit. He uses his saints. You know what else he uses? We'll play on words here. He uses his sunsets. Say, so what's that? Well, look with me in Genesis 33. And uh, verse 3 it says, and here's Jacob, it says, And he passed over before them and bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. And Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him. And they wept. And he lifted his eyes and saw the women and children and said, Who are those with thee? And he said, The children which God hath graciously given thy servants. See, you have to know how much Esau hated Jacob to really appreciate this part of the story. He, all he wanted to do with Jacob was cut his head off and kill him. And Jacob fled. But you know what happened? God healed Esau's heart. And you know what he used? Time. You know, sometimes those of you right now, maybe maybe going through something, you got a broken heart, and maybe you got something that's just on you all day long, and it just seems like that, that burden just won't release. I promise you this, time helps. It, it doesn't, it, you're always going to have a scar. If you have a broken heart, you always have a scar. Somebody, somebody said medically when you have a heart attack, there's always damage done to your heart. But you can still come out of that. You can still have a strong heart, but you, you still have some damage. I think we understand we live in this fallen world. You'll always have some damage. But I promise you this, if you'll just allow those sunsets to pass, 
God will do a healing work in your heart. So the sadness, the sunshine, the, the steps, he uses his scriptures, his spirit, his saints, his sunsets. How about the schooling? Or what are some lessons that we can learn for and from brokenhearted people? Well, the first lesson, and it's a simple one for me as your pastor, if you're, if you're brokenhearted, read God's Word. If you're not brokenhearted, read God's Word. Read God's Word. Because there's a lot of wonderful stories, a lot of wonderful personal accounts of brokenhearted people. I always think of David. David wrote a lot of the Psalms on the run. From Saul, the king that he was replacing, and from Absalom, his son who wanted to replace him. Lots of broken hearts. Even here it says in, in our psalm, He healeth the broken heart. Read God's word. This is something else for those of you that have a broken heart. and so important that you get. Remember that God has not stopped loving you. See, when our hearts break, it is, it is our tendency when things are going good to say, look how good I've got it. When things are going bad, to say, look what God did to me. Listen. God doesn't do anything to you. He does things for you. All things work together for good. He asks somebody that's had a broken heart if after they were helped by it. And many, many people will say yes. I... Brother Boss and I have known preachers to say, you know, I used to preach, and I preached the Word of God, but then God broke my heart in some situation, and then, oh, did the Holy Spirit inhabit my preaching. Remember, God has not stopped loving you. God so loved the world. He said, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. He's not stopped loving you. Recognize that grief is natural and normal and broken hearts take time to heal. This takes time. If you're, you, you have a broken heart, I look out there, I see Brother Tom Reese. Brother Tom lost his beloved Brenda just a couple months ago. Brother Tom, you're, you're going you're, you're to have hot tears over this holiday season. Probably already did Thursday as you missed the empty chair. The empty chair. And I know I can go around the room and many of you say empty chair. Some of you say I got only empty chairs. My, my sweet mom, my sweet mom, her, uh, her niece visited her last month and you know, my mom's the only one left. She had two brothers, one older, one younger. Her parents are both gone. Just my mom. She's the only one left. Some of you are that way. You're the only one. That's heartbreaking. Give it some time. Recognize that grief is natural and normal. It takes time to heal. How about this? Rest in God's mistake-free record. You're not the first one to have a broken heart. God has purpose in what He's doing. God can take all things and use them for good. And all God's people said. How about this one? 
rely on his promise to heal. God, I'm, I'm claiming this. He healeth the broken in heart. You do heal the broken in heart. You know my heart is broken. God, please do a healing work. And by the way, remember that real healing work like real growth is a slow process. Isn't it? Remember when Luke broke his leg? It didn't get fixed the next day. It got splinted. And then, Brother Jackson, he had to get those rods put in there. And then he had to hobble around in a cast. And what happened? Months later, it healed. It healed. Rely on his promise to heal. And in this one especially, Christian, realize that the sun will shine again. Realize that the sun will shine again. You'll smile again. You'll laugh again. Maybe not quite to the degree that you did before. But God is good. Through the tears. He healeth the broken in heart. You know what? God has a ministry amongst the broken. And here's the good news. We're all candidates for that ministry. Because we're all broken in some way, shape, or form. I love the story of the potter that God gave. The illustration of the potter in Jeremiah chapter 18. What happened? He saw that it was marred. And he made it again. And he made it again. God's ministry to the brokenhearted. Father, thank you for your ministry to those who are broken. God, help us, please, as we come to this moment of invitation. I know in my heart we have some broken people in our midst. Some people that are heartbroken over the direction their children have taken. There some people that are heartbroken in relationships that have been severed. Some people that are just heartbroken over loss and grief. Lord, please, I pray that you would heal their broken hearts. Lord, that you would just work